Monday, August 22nd, and this is Season 7, Episode 4 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Tommy. What's up? John. Lovely to be with you as always. Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. And Sam. Hey. Well, uh, I want to start with just a uh, break the ice with a question that we got, and this comes from uh, Big Mike at Mike Double uh, 61. W61. Oh, a W61. And hey, Mike, hopefully we'll see you on the bar on Monday. Mike's question is, what's, what brought you more joy, a 1-0 win versus Wolves or seeing Chelsea and Tuchel lose 3-0 to United States Leeds? Ooh, that's a tough one. Those are both fun. Well, no, I think it's very simple. I got joy out of the win. I don't get any joy out of anybody else losing, um, quite honestly. I mean, I smile a little bit about it, but no, we won. That was the most important thing that happened this weekend. We won. True, true fact. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm sure, I appreciate the question. I know Mike's probably just having a laugh a little bit, but yeah, that is something that I always think is crazy when people like find more, like our very own Rick on the podcast. Sometimes I wonder if he is more Tottenham through and through, if he's more just anti-Arsenal through and through. Sometimes I see he like blurs the line, so Anytime Spurs win, that's immediately the high point of the weekend, and especially when you can do it at 6.30 on Saturday. It's the greatest where even Harry Kane himself said that on social media. He was able to kick back, relax, and said when you're the first Premier League match of the weekend and you've already got your three points, you get to just sit and enjoy the chaos that happens to everyone else. So love getting the win, and I love doing it at that first game of the weekend. It, it's almost worth getting up for. Oh, hey, <laughs> hey, we had a great turnout out here as well. Yeah. Well, that might have been worth getting up for, but I don't get up that early in the morning. That's what a video record is for. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let, let's get into it. So uh, this, this was a match, like, I think we were um, hopeful for uh, um, a good performance. Um, we knew that we needed to, to get the three points. Um, and we, we had some curiosity going into this one when we previewed last week about what the lineup might be, whether there would be any significant changes. We did get to see Perisic as the, the, the main uh, main change in the, in the lineup. Uh, otherwise, it was uh, pretty, pretty similar uh, to what we've been uh, doing. Um, how were you guys feeling for those first five minutes as uh, this kind of kicked off with that lineup? I mean, I was happy that we had some turnover. Uh, I kind of wish we had Basuma start uh, just because next week we got a midweek game against West Ham. Following week we got a Champions League game. Let's start it off. Um, for those who didn't know, apparently our degree of difficulty for last weekend's match and next weekend's, it's like we have the lowest degree of difficulty. So I'm like, let's roll the dice a little bit. Um, first half... It's kind of like Chelsea to a certain degree. Very cold and then hot in the second half. Kind of like Katy Perry, let's just say. Um, I don't know. I was very frustrated. I was, you know, it's it felt like pulling teeth. So, John, for you, don't want to wake up early for a 6.30 match, especially if you don't want to come out here, um, come from the burbs. Wouldn't I blame you for that because part of me was just like, why the hell did I walk here for this shit? But... I mean, we kind of talked about we got the win, so I'll take it. But it's all, it was just – it took forever. It took forever for a lot of things to develop, I guess. And I, I don't know. I mean, we won ugly, which is – we di- we didn't do that a lot under Pochettino and also the short, um, brief term of Josie Mourinho. So that's kind of one thing great teams can do. If we can do this, we could, in theory, become great as well. So – 
it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, is winning ugly the important thing here? Uh, well, I, I think it is, but just to go back to the lineup, we did, of course, have one in force change when Romero was out injured and we brought uh, Davison Sanchez in, which I was very nervous about. Uh, but I think he, uh, I think he did a great job. As for the first half, I think if I'd have gotten up earlier, I probably would have fallen asleep during the first <laughs> half. It was one of the most boring halves of football I have seen in a long time. And I just don't understand. These guys know what they've got to do. And they go out and they don't do it. I mean, they do enough. We didn't concede a goal. But they didn't play the way that Conde wants them to play. They didn't play the way we know that they can play. Um, and second half, we did. So what the hell is the difference, Lucas? It seemed like there was no uh, press on, was well, there, Lucas? See, what well, John, his point, what he alludes to perfectly, A, I thought Sanchez did really well, and I wasn't nervous when we saw Dave get in the lineup because, again, there's been, I think, over seven hours or something of Dave playing since the last time we've conceded. He came in and he slotted in for Mero in the last three of the game, uh, year last year, and we got nine points from those. So he, he's very capable as a defender to go do the job, but I think what we lack is... In Conti's system, your right and left center backs need to be instrumental at getting the ball out to your wing backs to carry the ball forward. And that's what I think we lose with Dave is our right side. I thought like Romero, or uh, excuse me, uh, Royale played well, but there was just, he wasn't getting the ball because Dave was not doing what we would usually have Romero doing in that kind of system. So that is the one thing you kind of lose with that. But I think to John's point that I wanted to touch on, the what is the difference between the first and the second half it would be it would make sense had we come out in that first half and we performed the way we did and then we see in the second half there's all of a sudden these tactical changes like we make a sub or we switch to a new formation or we did something like that which all of a sudden had us coming out looking fantastic but there wasn't it was the same thing it was just apparent that in the dressing room Conti lit a fire under their asses and had them go do that which then begs the question like John said what is the difference? Why aren't we doing that from minute one? Why is it taking us 45 minutes of woeful football before we wake up at halftime? And then we came out and had like two or three chances within the first 90 seconds of the second half. So I, I don't get where the disconnect is and why it takes us sleepwalking through an entire first half. And we're lucky that Wolves wasn't clinical because they had a few opportunities that had they had somebody of like a Harry Kane stature of or like a proper finisher like that, we might have been down one or two going into half. So yeah, we got to get better at that. I think that also answers uh, Tommy's question about why they didn't play uh, Basuma because that would have put three changes in. And maybe that was one change too many at this point. Yeah, okay. Uh, I got, so, John, I don't know if you watched it, but I watched Match of the Day on Saturday. Rewatched it today. And uh, they actually had some stats in contrast to the first half and second half. So here it goes. Um, total shots, including blocks, first half, one, second half, 10. Touches in the opposing box, seven, second half, 25. High turnovers, one, for first half, second half, six. XG, 0. 0.06. You heard that right. And then second half, 1.61. So I think back to what Lucas said, though, um, it kind of angers me because starting the second half, we looked like things were going. Dion looked kind of like, well, Danny Murphy said, uh, former Spurs players, like, you know, they looked lethargic in the first half. I don't think that's probably the perfect word to uh, describe it. But, you know, things finally picked up. But I'm like, what angers me is, 
you know, we're finally heating up starting the second half, like literally first minute, finally have a shot or we're heating, you know, finally have like a goal scoring opportunity. But I'm like, it shouldn't have to come to this. This squad is talented. Like, why do they need to be that motivated and be yelled at to amount to this? Why weren't they doing this in the first half or at the beginning of the first half? I was actually talking to the people around me during the first half. Uh, is he play, did he take the press off? It seemed like we had no 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 desire to to press any advantage whatsoever in this match. It was it was like we were playing a different style altogether, and I, I can't imagine that Conte asked them to play a different style against Wolves of all teams. Um, uh, Lucas, well, yeah, and I think one thing that we did, and I know that we've all kind of talked about the fact that our midfield has somehow been our I mean for a long time now our midfield's been one of our weaker areas and again I think Hoiberg is a terrific player but where I think where you see the difference is when we didn't like who, who do we think had a good first half like we could all say I think Perisic had a poor first half Kulichewski had a poor first half uh, like Sun Kane like these were all guys that were so not involved because we got overrun in the midfield and we didn't have outlet or service to any of our attacking players. And I think one weird thing behind that is kind of like you had mentioned with the press. Like, Benton Curran and uh, Hoiberg, we weren't really pressing in the first half. We kind of invited them on top of us, but then we weren't doing anything on the break. It, the break would usually come with, like, we would win the ball back, and then Dyer would look, see no one in the midfield, and just bash a diagonal 80 yards to no one. And also, so, well, the other thing that angered me, too, is like, we yeah, counterattack is not the greatest. The way that we usually play, but the way our squad is built, we're primed. We're probably for the it. best team in Europe at it if you give us exactly. the opportunity. So what angers me about that is you know you slow things down a little bit, you let Wolves regroup, and I'm like, no, no, you got to go for it. But like, it, yeah, and but I, I think it was really it was so evident though in the second half where the, just the line that Hoybier and Bentenker were setting. If you just look in the second half, they were 15 yards forward. So they, it was almost as if there was no press in the first half, and that wasn't something we were just inviting them on top of us. But in the second half, we kind of made the decision, like, look, if we're going to try and press you and we want you to force a turnover, we'll do it in your half as opposed to ours. And I think we saw a lot of benefits off that and how quickly we were able to force a turnover and get it out wide to our attacking players. So it, it, it just begs the question, was it, was it some kind of decision by Conti to not press Wolves or something? I, I'm not sure, but just it was night and day between half one and half two for our midfield yeah and, and you mentioned Hoybier and his uh, performance and I think we all know that he does great stuff off the ball but uh, but on the ball he seems uh, a, a little weak at times and and this is man of the match Hoybier that we're talking about but um, I want to have a bit of a conversation about him so um, so he was given that status for this match um, um, do you guys agree with that we'll start with Sam Yes and no. Um, <laughs> Politician. I mean, I felt he, in the second half, he did a good job driving driving the ball forward. There was uh, one clip that was being played of him making a run towards their half in the second half of the game. But, of course, there's nobody there for him to service it to. Um, no, because um, I felt there were other players who uh, played admirably in the match. Um, for instance, Sanchez stepping in and uh, doing a very good defensive job. Um, I thought um, said Wolves had th three shots on target. I mean, do, 
Hugo didn't honestly work for a save this entire match. Um, anytime the it seemed like anytime the ball came to him, it just ended up in his arms. He stood there for it. Uh, but I kind of think I kind of give my man of the match credit, even though he was sloppy in the first half to uh, Perisic, just because of what he did in the uh, second half, and especially setting up that goal for Harry Kane. That was class. Yeah, I, in talking about Hobio, somebody asked, sent me a note, you know, uh, this week. Do you think Hobio is here for now and for the future? And my answer was, I think he's here for now. The future is going to be TBA. When we get Basuma and Skip back, well, Skip back and Basuma, I think that he's going to struggle to get a place. Now, he's always had a place because he's been the best. Well... I don't think moving forward he is going to be the best and I think that there's a good chance that by midway through this season he will not be starting every game. That's uh, I'd put I'm not a betting man but I put put a lot of money on that. Well, it, I'm not I wouldn't be surprised. We're going to go to Lucas but I also want to ask the question um, there was rumors about Real coming in in for Hoybier if if they offered enough money would you guys sell him at this point? Yeah, and, and, and yes, I would. Um, the rumor was 50. If it is something like 50, I think you absolutely have to take that. But you have to be prepared to do very quick, very effective business on the turnaround because this is somebody who's starting every game for us. So it would be a pretty crazy move to just say, yeah, we'll sell a guy that's one of our starting 11 right now and not have an immediate slot in. So we're about to be playing a lot of games in a very short amount of time. So everyone's going to need to play. And I think like to answer like the question with with like Hoybier with the man of the match thing is I, I don't think I would have given it to him just the reason is he's I think he's a wonderful player and who he is leadership wise on the pitch I think is really instrumental for the way that we actually do play so I, I think he is very important to like to the other 10 guys on the pitch but I, I think that I can't say like Basuma last year when they played us when we lost 1-0 at home to Brighton Basuma took that game over. When was the last time you can say Hoybier took a game over, like the way Dembele used to or the way Eriksen used to? Like, so we've had midfielders in the past that can take a game over, and that's kind of what we need because of how much our attacking front relies on service and relies on the midfielding, recycling it out wide and recycling it up to Harry, who can then play it to Sun or other options. There, there's really not... It, it's almost as if to the point where like we've kind of... We've gotten every ounce of talent we could probably get out of him. And now it's like, and I couldn't be more grateful for his like effort and the way he's played, but it's like, we've kind of gotten to that point where it's like, if we want to get to the next level, we're going to need somebody like a little bit, like a Basuma perhaps. Uh, Sam, did you have something before John goes? Yeah, like just build off that. You know, I think if we can profit off of him, you know, I think we should do that. But at the same time, if we are going to go that route, we have to have a player in mind and a strategy as to go forth on how to sign him. My biggest worry with um, letting Hoybear go is just the way that we tend to really drag out uh, complicated transfers. So we have to, you know, if he if he goes like the. The, pl the plan has to be set in motion to sign a new player like with within a staff. And it's fingers. pretty late in the window for the for doing all that. Oh, yeah. um, 
Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, absolutely we do not sell him now. Um, having said that, this team is moving forward and some players are moving forward with the new strategies and everything else. Some players are getting left a bit behind and I think Hoybier is one of those. Um, we are moving forward, we're getting better in every position um, and he's doing what he always has done, which is brilliant. But um, if somebody were to come in now, no, we've got, uh, we've got some issues in the midfield. Uh, we got Right now we've got two players at every position and that's what we want. Um, we do have an issue with the Champions League and the homegrown uh, members of the squad, and hopefully we'll have a chance to talk about that a little bit later. But the only way, to me, that this would be absolutely positive was if we could get rid of Hobier, bring in a homegrown star. That would work. But that beyond that, no, I think we got to get you know we we got to keep some stability and. He's a wonderful player, and he's been a great servant, and I would, at this point, unless you show me uh, a vision that somebody else is going to come in who's better, uh, no, we keep him. That's my point. Yeah, I'm more on the uh, train of thought of John just because we have other midfielders. You know, we got Ben Core, we have Skip, we have Basumo, we have Saar, but he's young and up and coming. He has a, he's played some preseason minutes, but we don't know how he's going to acclimate to the Premier League. You know, it's... He could be great, but I'm like, that, I've said this in the past. The issue with Conte is we have to win right now. So my argument is, yeah, ideal in an ideal situation, if Real Madrid was offering 50 million euros, I'd be like, yes, sell. The issue is, I think what what Sam said with uh, having players in mind. I think Prodigy is already like a few players deep for any player in the squad. So like. You know, if Kerry Kane leaves, he already has a short list of players that he wants. He, Fred leaves, same thing. Um, Dyer, whatever. You know, same thing. So, I think he already has a list of three players, give or take. How Sam says, we would have to act quickly. I do I, I, I do have faith in Prodigy to say if we got, say we did get 50 million euros, we can buy some somebody for 30 million. And who'd probably be better, in theory. But, it, but the other thing is... Hoiberg, he came from the from Bayern Munich. He's got the mindset. He he knows how to, he, he knows how to play and be there and done that. So I and because of the deficiencies in the midfield, like we, I mean, yeah, Ben Corey played for Juventus. Basuma played for Brighton, though. I'm like we we need a, even though Hoiberg hasn't playing great overall, we still need that mentality. And you you can't teach that. Yeah, but he was man of the match on Sunday. I disagree with that personally, but well, we'll, we'll get to I, that with MVP. I, I, ag- I agree with you, but many people gave him man of the match. He had a very good performance. And if you bring somebody else in, they have to learn. Hobie has learned it. He knows where he is. He knows what he's doing. Right. He knows the players around him. And the problem in the past we've had is bringing players in late who have had to take time to assimilate. And during that assimilation, we have gone down and... Uh, that wasn't good for the rest of the season. So I'm still saying, keep Hobier, please. I think Sam was first, and then Lucas? Yeah, um, I just wanted to throw in there a um, little disclaimer. If uh, Tommy refers to a player as Fred, that's Hugo. So okay. just, just throw that in there. Good show. <laughs> no, and I agree with John. And I think the thing that we've seen already that Antonio has come out and said is he said, if we're letting someone go, he expects to have them replaced by the end of the window. So it's, I think Antonio is on the same reason, or like 
wavelength as John here, where it's like, I, I don't think we're going to have somebody, I don't think Conte has somebody in mind right now that he's jonesing to get his hands on. It's, it's either Hoiberg, like, yeah, okay, it would be a nice fee that we could get, but is it worth sacrificing the next several months? Because all that's going to take is Batuma, or Basuma comes in and he stubs his toe, and now we have what? Benton yeah. Kerr and who? Skip. <laughs> yeah, it, well, like Skip. But yeah, but Skip back. hasn't been Skip hasn't been healthy since January. Yeah. So it's like, if like like Basuma comes in, stubs his toe, and then next thing we know, it's like, well, here's Benton Kerr and just throw Winks a shirt number and get him out. Like, what are we gonna do? So well, we've got we co- have to have a better plan you than know. just take the money and then try and figure it out. You got to be thinking eight steps ahead. Yeah, Tommy yeah. mentioned Saar, and um, I have a feeling that he's gonna go out on loan although that's not been announced yet. Having said that, Harvey White is staying with the first team. And he's homegrown, and he's a midfielder, enormously talented. Is he over 21, though? Um, I don't think he is, but he's still uh, he's, he's still on the plus side when it comes to the numbers on the Premier League. Right now in the Premier League squad, we are okay. Right. We have enough homegrown players. On the Champions League squad, which has different considerations, we are not. So, you know, I would think Harvey White would get a break before Saar, but even then we're going deep into the... Would you say Winks would probably stay as well then because of this? I think he might stay because A, nobody wants him, and B, he's homegrown, and we might just need the number. Well, to both John and Lucas's point, like, uh, Conte has actually even indicated... That it not just it, we're, and with Hoy Beer, we're talking about a player that starts for us, um, but he's indicated anybody in the 25 man roster, if we sell or loan them out, other than the four players that he indicated that are going, and that was, you know, Lacelso and Dombele, Winks and um, um, Regulon. Regulon. Um, like, other than those four, anybody that you move out, you're, you need to replace with somebody who can play now. Um, and that includes, like, if they loan out Brian Hill, he wants a replacement coming in. And that's well, why we're being connected with some uh, some uh, uh, attacking midfield players and, and, and uh, yeah. wingers. We're, we're, we're jumping the gun a little bit, but uh, my sources tell me that Brian Gill was sent on loan to Valencia today. And the thing that Conte has said over and over again is, if Gill goes, I need somebody else in. So if, if he's in that situation, why... Would he then let Hobier go, and then we've got to bring two people in? Yeah, I, that, I think it's not going to happen. I think you guys are right there. Uh, Lucas, uh, bring us home on this point. Yeah, I was, I was actually going to use this opportunity to just kind of transition us, because I know we've kind of gotten off into like a transfer debate here. But um, I was going to say, speaking like so with the question at hand about Hoiberg being a man of the match, I think in the second half – when we did start to press a little bit and we looked much more aggressive, I think that freed up a couple other players that we should probably talk about in this match, which was like Perisic and Kulichevsky, I thought were dynamite in the second half. I thought each one of those two, as soon as we kind of had some freedom and they had a little bit of service and able or were able to carry the ball forward, I think we saw what, uh, what was it? Perisic drove into the box like, two or three times and created some absolute yeah, created, some created the corner that he eventually assisted so it was like I thought Kulachevsky the thing with those two watching them play was how they were able to it's that thing that they do when they put in a cross it is going to a man it like it goes to a target like they clearly have someone in mind when they're putting in that cross and they're they seem to just be when they're in their 
like when they're in their element like that, they're so effective. So I thought those two like absolutely deserved a shout out. And to your point, Lucas, uh, now that we are talking about the goal um, and how it was created, um, let, let's uh, let's go to uh, uh, the ne- the next question, which comes from Peter. Oh yes, uh, good friend Peter. Uh, is Gianni Vito actually the best acquisition Spurs have made in the offseason? Or was Harry's goal purely the result of a superb off-the-cuff off the cuff flick by Perisic and typical Kane execution? Pardon me, I, I think there was some luck there because, I mean, for me, and we, John, or I, I was going to add to John's argument with Hoiberg, but I'm like, Perisic, he's, yeah, he just he signed early on, but I'm like, how well has he really gelled in squad? Is it more of his talent? I'd be more inclined to believe that. I think a lot of it is Sun's corner I didn't think was great. Uh, Perisic had to duck a little bit and then flick it backwards. And then so I think a lot of it was right place at right time. Debate me all you want, but that's my opinion. No, I, I actually, it, to me, it's really obvious that the, that was a set play. Those are set plays that we're doing because it's night it's night and day versus how we used to. If you watch all of the players and their movement on the corner, but until we've brought him in, this was like, if you watch our just our set pieces and our corners from last year, there, there's no fluid movement. There's no, it, there, nobody's, it, it's like a well-orchestrated dance right now. It's like choreographed. People are moving where they're moving with a purpose. Harry was left at the back post for a reason to have free reign at to try and guess where the ball's going to go. I think it was a shitty ball by Sun, to be honest. I think he underhit it. But I think what he was trying to do was that, to get the flick on at the front post. Because you saw he took an earlier one where everyone kind of had the similar movement, but he, again, mishit it, and he played it inside the net. It, like, hit the side netting, so it didn't even make it to the front, like, to the near post. But it, it seems as everyone is so much more... <coughs> And again, like we have different options. Like if you look at the Chelsea one, Chelsea was so convinced that we were going to be going near post that when we didn't, we had like I think it was uh, it was like Richarlison, Lucas, and Kane all met each other in the air to see which one of them got the privilege of heading that in. So we had Chelsea had no idea that that was going to be what was happening, but we clearly did. So there is some kind of choreography and some kind of plan which is in place, and you can see it. It's so much more obvious than last year where it literally looked like a, like 10 chickens running around with their heads cut off. So much so yeah. that when this wasn't properly executed, uh, they were still able to get the goal out of it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm not sure it wasn't properly uh, orchestrated, but having said that, our statistics from dead ball situations last season was abysmal. It was the poorest in the league. And now we've got two goals from dead ball situations. Um, I was a bit surprised that even that Son was taking the corners when Perisic was on the field, but then he stopped doing it. But um, also, Kane and uh, Kuvaleski have both said that the asset of this dead ball situation guy, whose name I can't pronounce, um, Johnny Vito. Yeah, Johnny Vito has made an enormous impact. And I think we've seen that impact on the field. So, um, in answer to Peter's question, I think this guy's great and he's improving in areas where we needed improvement. And. That seems to be the way across the board. We've looked at where we're woeful. We're making changes to change it. And I'm excited about it, as you know. Yeah, just to build off that, it's like in any um, in any business or anything where you, you, you look to an area where you're seriously struggling, where there's potential, and you just can't figure out how to 
how to get the, the most out of that. What do you do? You typically try to find hire someone from the outside who's able to see what they can do and then build off that. It's really what um, Giovanni, Giovanni, Giovanni Gianni Vito has done. And then um, furthermore with the goal, I kind of think there was a little bit of choreography. I think um, Perisic, he flicked it back there knowing that Harry Kane would be there. He's I mean, he. I mean, obviously, Perisic has an eye on goal there, but he also has to know where his goal score is, and you know, he he kind of knew where Harry Kane would be. It's just like, okay, I can't flick it in from this angle. I'm going to head it back to him. He yeah, did, and and I, I think that Perisic is that player. That's one of the reasons that we brought him in. Is he has that next level of intelligence that we're not used to seeing from some of our players. He has that experience where he knows. His job isn't to head it in at the near post. You're very rarely going to get this weird deflection angle. But if you have Harry Kane standing at the back post, your odds are significantly higher. And I think like, to talk to John's point too, where like improving, that is something that has shocked me that it's taken us this long to bring someone like him in is because we've been brutal at set pieces for a very long time. I remember in our peak, like our best potch season when we finished second, we had the most corners created out of any team in the Premier League and the fewest scored. And the exact opposite was true because I think West Brom, who actually got relegated or something that year, they actually had Fernando Llorente that year. They had the fewest corners created and the most corners scored in like the entire league. So it's like this hasn't been like a new issue for us. So to see that we're finally making the correct decisions and trying to remedy some of like our problems that have been a thorn in our side for years is what's really encouraging is that is it going to work out who knows but at least we're making efforts to try and fix the problems in which we have weaknesses yeah and, and i think the only people that it's not going to help are the ones in that we have a, a game in the bar that we play when spurs have a corner or a dead ball situation <laughs> and some guy some guy so puts his hands in and says it's me and everybody <laughs> else who wants to be in puts their hand in and if we score a goal the guy who started it has to buy a shot for everybody else. Well, I don't remember last year those guys having to pay out too much, but it's happened twice this year, and I think it's going to be expensive for those people that are uh, that are in there. Um, absolutely, and uh, yeah, once again, I'm excited about this. I think that uh, we're moving in the right direction. You're going to join our set piece roulette this season, then. Even what? Sorry? You're going to join in on set piece roulette this season? No, it's not no. safe for your wallets anymore. It used to be a sure yeah, thing. Yeah, but John's the one giving us our rally cry, though. Well, there is. Yeah, well, that that's, is that's true. I do the corner rally cry, but no, I don't want to have a shot in the morning. But right. I, will, I will quickly give a shout out to Cy, uh, one of our own, <laughs> supposed to be on the podcast with us tonight. Had some other stuff come up. But Cy, it was actually his turn for set piece roulette on our goal this week. And the amount of confidence that he had, which is, again, something we're not used to. He looked right at our bartender for all of our matches, Michelle. Shout out to her. And he looked at her and said, Michelle, line them up. Get the shots ready. And I said, all right, well, you're crazy. We'd, <laughs> like, yes. we'd I, I wouldn't waste those clean shot glasses just yet. And sure enough, there it was. So to be able to have that confidence is just its a little bit of a testament as to what we've been able to do with our new set piece coach. Well, and to bring it back to the beginning, the the, the skills that we're developing at set pieces allowed us to win this game ugly. Um, it, despite our better performance in the second half, it still was not a pretty victory. And we got to, to, to win ugly. Um, 
And I think with that, it's a good place to go to uh, MV. Oh, you want to jump yeah, in really, on that real Really fast? quick, before we jump into MVP and LVP, I just wanted to say one last thing about that set-piece goal, and that is that Harry Kane, by the way, has now become the new record. Broke another one of his a bajillion records that he holds, uh, having the most Premier League goals, uh, goal scored by a single club, past Aguero with that goal. So, Oh, actually, I did take a screenshot or a picture of that. Um, so... Harry Kane has 185 with Spurs. Um, just to go down the list, Aguero 184, Wayne Rooney 183, Thierry Henry uh, 175. Um, and the graphic fought number five is no name with 148. Presumably Alan Shear, I would assume. But again, but he's be, in good anytime company. you're listed in that group of players, like yeah, you're yeah. special. And yeah. so to and, be able to watch were, every one of those with uh, us, and is, that was numbers for playing with one club. Yeah, too. I mean, his numbers are phenomenal. With his game, with the games in the cup games that he's played, but yeah, that was, that was, and I thought about the fact that he's put, he's done all his work with one club, and I have enormous respect for that these days. Used to be that a player would be good and he'd stay with the, the club until they put him in the reserves, and then he retired and bought a grocer shop or something. <laughs> just went to the MLS. But these days. Um, players do move on, and they move on for more money, and they move on for lots of different reasons, but. Harry's been through a lot. I mean, I'm willing to bet that all the other people who've played, who've scored close to the goals that he has for one team, have not gone through as many managers as Harry Kane has gone through. That's a great point. But he's been through... He's stuck with it through everything. And I, I just love him for that. And, yeah, I mean, I think he's just going to go on and break records for the rest of his career, and God bless him. Good shout. Let's go to MVP. Let's start with Tommy. Uh, yeah, I am... I'm not shitting on Hoiberg, I but I'm like, yeah, I know they gave him man match, but I'm giving it to Sanchez. I think he was defensively sound. He kind of rolled into the momentum what he had with the last three matches of last season with what Arsenal, Burnley, and Norwich, and it's it's like he didn't miss a step. I I thought he was I did thought he did very well. He was key to this match. Good shout there, Tommy John. I'm going to agree with Tommy for once. How about that? Hey. Um, I thought Perisic. Uh, deserved a uh, a mention. Um, Hobier, who the press seemed to have given the most valuable player to, in my book, would have come third. But yeah, Davinson Sanchez, and if you look at the statistics of the games that he's played, I think he's played in nine, the most nine recent games he's played in, I think I read that he hasn't, the defense has not conceded a goal. Yeah, the amount of, yeah, the amount been, of minutes over, he has. It's been over seven hours of actual like, yeah. game yeah. time. Since. Well, since he, he conceded a goal with him, uh, we conceded a goal with him playing. Yeah, uh, Lucas. Uh, I MVP? actually I had the same, and like I mentioned earlier, we did kind of suffer with our ability to play up the right with Dave. But for a guy like what we always forget is that you're asked to, he hasn't been playing. So for somebody that hasn't been getting minutes, what he's asked to do is so incre- it's crazy to just be called upon at a minute's notice to say, "Hey, go slot in there and be as good as Romero." So and defensively he was and so, not be a wild child yeah and and so like for that composure to be able to come in and just be sitting there waiting not playing get called on and come in and do your job like that is so professional and i've i, I was just so proud of him i thought he did a great game sam i'm gonna go with parasich um i thought that once he was able to get some service he was uh very good um i kind of already said that earlier in the podcast and plus his flick at um, that got him the assist was spectacular. I thought that's something that's 
we've been missing, and um, I give it to him. No, I, I and I agree with you. I'm going to give it to Perisic. I I think like keep that guy fresh. Like I want to see him get subbed off uh, when he starts or come on as a sub for Sessegnon. Good rotation. Um, cause keep that guy fresh because I think he's going to be a, a key uh, key to our success this season. So, yeah, Parasic is my MVP. Uh, Tommy, who do you have for LVP? This was – yeah, I'm going to give it to Son. I didn't think he played well. Um, love the guy, but <clears throat> kind of like how he said, he's got some Katy Perry syndrome on it, and we, we already knew that, though. You know, he's hot and cold, very streaky, but when he's on a cold streak, he's there up. I'm not saying he's in the cold, midst of a cold streak right now, but it's like, eh. But, I mean, we'll talk about it for Nottingham Forest, but uh, he. Uh, but I'm like, when Richarlison came on, he was a, he was so full of energy. I'm like, I mean, I know Nottingham Forest, yeah, like Henderson's been doing well and they've been doing okay, but I'm like, let's throw Charleston in, and I'm like, let's give Son a rest because, like, let's be fair. He has been playing more or less nonstop for the past what five years. Let him breathe a little. Yeah, good, good, good uh, explanation there, uh, John. Who do you have? Well, I can't believe that I'm agreeing with Tommy twice <laughs> in one podcast. But um, I thought Som was off. I'm surprised they didn't bring him off earlier because even when everybody stepped the game up in the second half, his game did not improve. And I think that by bringing Richarlison on it really was evident what Son should have been doing and he wasn't doing. And uh, I'm really pleased that we've got someone to bring on that can do that, which we haven't in the past. But no, Son was off and um, he needs to get his head together or something because he's a fantastic (laughs) goal scorer, but he hasn't shown any of that so far this season. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, I actually had Son written down as well. Um, But there is one thing I wanted to say real quick is I think Richarlison absolutely was fantastic when he came on and we all need to be and by we I mean the actual players the players need to be okay and calm and collected with rotation it's not as if like us saying Richarlison starts next week instead of Sun is him being demoted or him being punished it's yeah you you look a little bit tired and emotionally like the crap that he had to probably deal with with all of like what was going on in Korea this summer like with him like like he had a crazy summer so yeah, maybe you just need a rest. It's okay. We're going to play so many games. We need to be able to rotate guys around completely normal and have it not be like throwing a fit when you get taken off. or because And we have five subs, so you could start, look good, maybe don't look good. Maybe we get a 3-0 lead. Maybe we just swap someone else on. Like The rotation is going to have to be so constant that we just need guys to – kind of all buy into like the collective project and be okay with having a rest and that goes for like harry kane too some days Richardson might just be like hey we need you to start today and the thing with that though lucas is we have enough depth where we can compete on all four fronts reasonably so we could i mean if the way things go the team could play easily 50 60 games so there's enough time to be spread around for everybody uh sam what do you have for lvp yeah, I'm going to go with Son. Um, I just believe he's in a funk right now. Um, um, and, of course, you know, if you know if with Richarlison coming in, I mean, if, if a player is not, you know, having any effect 
in a game, that's kind of what's going to happen now is they're going to be subbed off. That's kind of the idea of having this deep bench. Also, as Lucas mentioned, for rotation purposes, like if someone loses game time, it's it's because we've seen in the past couple of years there's a lot of games to play. We, we can't – guys got to have a rest. Um, but I do expect um, the old son to come back at some point – Hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, he's just too good of a player, and he's been too good over the past couple seasons to really write him off right now. Um, and, and one plus his attitude, of course, t- towards putting in the work is also really good. So it's not like a few other players that we've had in the past have had, I'm not going to mention any names, but that have just kind of fallen off. Oh, and what I said before, I'm like subbing him out for a Charleston. It's not a slight on Sunday. Like I said, we all know he's hot and cold at the time, previous, like past handful of years. That job was his, more or less. Now it's just like, you know, get a rest. You know, your, your, his mind might be in it. He might be motivated. He's re- Body-wise, he's ready to go, but it's like... Let's do a mental reset for a little bit, and we'll be fine. And, That's and again, it, it's just, I also think it's not really quite – we also do have to remember before we say, oh, this is classic sun being hot and cold. We've also played – in the first game, he looked a little off, still had an assist. The last two games, we've played two really nice – like pretty – like I mean, Chelsea's a great side. Like Wolves is a very good side. These are two sides that were very well game-planned for that game to try and take away Sun and Kane. So th- these – like – it wasn't as if he was just missing sitters in front of the box, or in, like. So we we all need to just remember that. Give him a, give him a break. Like <laughs> he'll be back. Well, we are we talking. To freak out. We are talking about the Golden Boot winner from last year, and and we're also talking about a man, who went to South Korea, spent three weeks there, was treated like a god. He could not go anywhere without thousands of fans screaming his name. Not just on the pitch, but at the hotel, everywhere he went. He was doing press conferences, he was doing all sorts of things. And the adulation was enormous. Well, any time anybody gets that, when it stops, it's like, oh, I really like that, you know. People love me. And he looked like the Beatles at the airport. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Lucas, you're right. I mean, again, Golden Boot winner, he's just, he had an off game, and I think he gets judged harsher because of what we've seen him in the past and that's the reason I picked him as the LVP you know those that know me in the past so that I don't necessarily go with the the, what everybody else thinks if somebody has a much better game than usual I'll pick him and if somebody has a much worse game than usual I'll pick him and that's why he got it a clean sweep for me uh, son the only other person I could think of that was a little off uh, Bentecourt didn't have his best game but not LVP material in this one uh, but uh, but I think this is probably a good place to go to half uh, the second half we are going to um, talk about uh, the the Carabao Cup draw that's going to be coming up later this week and then the Champions League draw which will be coming up later this week so lots coming up uh, uh, lots of we'll get start to hear about some of the other fixtures that we'll have mixed in uh, we'll get a better sense of the schedule coming up so that'll be exciting um, and then we will preview uh, the the game against Forest uh, th- this weekend uh, but first we are going to go to two halftime segments Luke's Locks and John's Lone Player Update alright everyone here we go here Here's Luke's locks for this week. First up, we are going to root for some goals by taking an over bet. We're going to take the over two and a half goals in Chelsea at home versus Leicester. 
Chelsea's coming off a big three-goal loss away at Leeds, which we all enjoyed, in which Koulibaly, one of their best defenders, was sent off. So they'll be without him uh, for this one against Leicester. Leicester has one point from nine so far and has had a very bad loss at home against Southampton this weekend. So I imagine both teams are going to want to be aggressive and look to get forward. I expect there's going to be a lot of potential for goals in this one, so take over two and a half in Chelsea at home versus Leicester. Next up, it's going to be Arsenal minus one and a half goals at home versus Fulham. As much as I hate giving out Arsenal as a pick, they've been very clinical so far at beating up on the bottom level opponents, and I don't imagine that changes this week. Look for them to be much stronger than Fulham and have a comfortable two-goal win at home. So take Arsenal minus one and a half goals. Next up, we're going to take West Ham plus a half goal away at Aston Villa. This pick is mostly a reflection on West Ham. West Ham's got zero points from nine and are desperate to get off the mark. And despite their poor results so far, they've actually been playing some pretty decent football. They've been really unfortunate and had some really bad breaks go against them. Villa are a tough side at home, but I think West Ham will play well enough to secure a draw at the very least. So take West Ham plus the half goal away at Villa. All right, last up on the docket, we're going to go opposite of the first. We're going to take an under bet here. We're going to go under two and a half goals in the game between Brighton and Leeds down on the south coast. Leeds is coming off the back of arguably their biggest victory as a club in a couple of decades. And I think we'll see them kind of get brought back down to earth on this one. Brighton is a really organized side, especially at home. Their midfield is really great at choking out a game and forcing you to play their way. So I think we'll see Brighton suffocate Leeds' attack and we'll have a very low-scoring affair in this one. So take under two and a half goals in Brighton at home versus Leeds. There are your Luke's Locks of the Weeks. Free money. Let's go get rich, kids. And here now is John to tell us about the loan update. Well, thank you, Lucas. And, uh, yeah, lovely to be with you and bringing you the first loan update of the 2022-2023 season. Um, I have it on good authority. My senses, my sources, <laughs> my sources, yeah, um, tell me that uh, Brian Gill went on loan today to back to Valencia. Um, there is no option to buy. And uh, he did have a good promising time at Valencia last year, so I think this could be good for his development. Um, as for those who've been on loan a little bit longer, Dane Scarlett, he went to Portsmouth. He got his first assist in a 3-1 win against Bristol Rovers. Now, Portsmouth's in League One, and I think it's important when we talk about uh, these loan players to see which league they're in so you can assess the, the, the kind of effort that they have to go into. So he's in League One, and evidently at the last game, he came off, uh, was substituted in the 65th minute, and the stadium got up and cheered and chanted his name. Um, so he's obviously making people happy down there in uh, Portsmouth at Fratton Park, and we miss him, and uh, we wish him all the best for, for this season on loan. Uh, same thing goes for Troy Parrott, a name you would have heard last year. He's gone on loan to Preston North End. Now, the difference between this and last year was that he's moved up now to the championship. Um, he was in League One last year. He's getting rave reviews. He has scored once already in the League Cup versus Huddersfield. 
and uh, Preston people love him. It seems to me that he's putting a lot of effort in and uh, maybe he's got his demons behind him and he realizes what he's got to do and work hard to become the kind of player we know he can be. And uh, I look forward to him being a part of the Tottenham scene in the, in the future, I really do. Well, then we get back. Then we're on to our uh, guys we didn't really know what to do with. Uh, Giovanna Lo Celso has gone back to Villarreal. Um, there's, he's on loan, but he has an interesting clause that I've not seen before. It's called a break clause. So if anybody offers a bid for him when he's at Villarreal during the January window, Spurs can break the loan and sell him. So it'll be interesting to watch that. I think he'll do well in, in at Villarreal. He's a, you know, he, he likes playing in the warm weather. Um, our bad boy Tange and Dombalay, well, he's gone to Napoli. He's on a year-long loan. There is an option to buy for 25 million. I mean, he's a really uh, wonderfully talented player, but he need, but not all the time. Sometimes he plays as bad as I used to, and other times he plays brilliantly. So I, I don't know what we're going to do with him, but they do have an option to buy him at 25 mil, which is a lot less than we paid for him. But I think just getting him off the payroll will be uh, will be good for Tottenham. Rodon. Now he went to Rennes in League One in France. Good, good quality league, and um, maybe we're seeing why he wasn't picked for Tottenham, because two games ago uh, against Monaco in a one-all draw, he gave a very sloppy back pass, and Monaco got a goal. So. He was subsequently left out of the team the next week. Um, they say it wasn't because he made a sloppy mistake. Well, you believe that if you like. Um, they have a £20 million option to buy, which would be pretty good investment on the £9 million we paid for him. Um, Alfie Whiteman is back at Degafort in uh, Scandinavia. He was there last year. They escaped relegation by one game uh, by on the last day. And um, I, I think he likes it out there. They like him. I really don't know what we're going to do with goalkeepers. Um, quite honestly, we've got a number of young ones there. And where they go and how good they get, I, I don't know. And then finally, Destiny Udoji, um, who is a 19-year-old who plays for Udinese. We signed him and loaned him back. Now, he has played every game for Udinese this year. He is expected to make his full Italian debut this year. So this is a guy that we really should be watching for and he'll come back after a year I think with enormous experience and I think he's really going to be somebody that we're going to be seeing playing for Spurs um, in, the, in the near future. So there we are. Um, I don't think the loans are over yet for this year. Um, there's rumor that Tanganga may go to AC Milan. I see a lot of problems with that. Um, Tanganga's homegrown and he's a centre-back and we may need him for the Champions League squad. And then Saar, I think he could go out on loan. I believe he should go out on loan in the English League so he can get used to playing in the wet and the rain. Um, but that has not been, no, nothing's been said about that, so we don't know what's going to happen with that. But anyway, that's my loan update for the first loan update for this season, and I look forward to doing this for you uh, in the future. Thanks a lot. Bye for now. Well, thanks as always, John. I am excited about uh, Udogi 
or Udugi, or how how did you I ever pronounce it? I feel like just, we call him Destiny until uh, until yeah, said otherwise. Until yeah. I hear somebody that I respect at Tottenham Hotspur say his last name, I'm like, it's Destiny for me. But I actually was going to ask John about that. Do you know? Does he play on the left or the right? I think he plays on the left. Okay, so that could be that we have a potential like the. Danny Rose, Kyle Walker duo that was once our favorite thing ever. Like that could be, we could be staring down like Jed Spence and Destiny. That could be our new pairing going forward in the future under a Conte system. So there, I feel like there's, I think he was second uh, for goals and assists. He was second in the league last year, only behind Perisic, who we also bought. So I, I think that there's so much hope to be had on that one. And I can't wait to get him next year. Well, yeah, you, I, you stole I the words right out of my mouth there, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, that pairing is what I'm excited yeah, about. Oh, that could wait. be the future of the club, for sure. Well, and I, I agree with you, Lucas, but it seems to me like there's some sense behind the long-term players that we're signing. In the past, we just seemed to sign players who looked like they were pretty good, but we didn't know how they'd fit in. Destiny, we know where he plays. We know where he's good. We've got Davis on the left. That's, uh, you know, his... See, his career is limited. I mean, he's going to play for a couple more seasons, but looking forward, um, we've got Perisic now, who's a little bit old. We've got Sessignon, who I think is going to be a star. And now we've got this, uh, we've got Destiny. Uh, it looks like good planning to me. And yeah, and I, I completely agree. If you look at just what United did this past few days, where they bought, was it Casemiro or from... Real Madrid. Yeah, from Madrid. They bought him for, I think, upwards with bonuses as to like $85 million. And with he's a five with a five-year five deal, and he's thirty. That's yeah. United panic buying right now. And while they're doing that, we're picking out future wingbacks for our next couple of years. So the, I love the situation we're at, and I love having Paratici like in there doing what he's was brought in to do, which is to help plan for the future. And he's setting us I, up for success. And I love when I hear Conti mention how these are guys for the future, because when he says that, he sure seems like he wants to be around for that future. So. Maybe that's me just being optimistic, but it sounds like these could be guys for the future in a Conte system with Conte around. So let's fingers crossed on that. Yeah, I, I, I love the fact that Conte seems to be buying into our future planning as well as our current planning because he's known as a current, like the, our current squad is what's important to him when now, but he also seems to be buying into our future planning as well, which I think is tremendous uh, and very exciting. But let's roll the conversation along. So before we preview this uh, Forest match, uh, I do want to have a brief conversation about uh, some of the uh, cup draws coming up. Um, first, we'll just knock out in just a couple-minute conversation. Uh, League Cup is uh, resolving their la- th- this uh, second round right now. Um, and when that wraps up later this week, I believe Wednesday, they, sh- they should do the... Um, the third round draw after that's resolved um, and that's where we would get drawn and see who we're uh, going to draw against um, so obviously not this is not the most important competition to us this year I think we've got our eyes set on bigger things um, what do you guys want, want out of this draw it's somebody easy to that we can just play our scrubs well yeah. I think that oh, yeah, John, um, you know this is a competition we can win and this year I think we should be looking at every opportunity to win something. Um, I think the team that we put out is definitely going to be dependent on the opposition because I think Conte is going to want to win it. If we come across uh, a lower division team, then I think we'll see a lot of changes. 
if we come up against Chelsea, if we come up against Arsenal, then things are going to be a little different and it's going to be an interesting game. So, I mean, this is a second-tier competition, but it is the last one we won and uh, I was privileged to be there. I'd like us to see, uh, I'd like us to, to win it again. So we should go for it. Yeah, um, I, to me, it's all about the draw. Um, it's, it's one of those, I love to see us take this seriously. I'm a huge believer in the fact that once you get one over the line, the players kind of feed off that. They learn from that. It's, one trophy, you mean? Yeah, yeah it, it's like once you get one over the line, you're like, look, we've, we've now seen what it takes to actually see through one of these competitions. And that feeling is addictive. You want that. You're willing to put in the work next summer instead of maybe, maybe you've been off a couple of weeks of your holiday that you had planned in like Lanzarote and instead you go do a little bit more tra- Like it's, it's something that you see a lot of times once you get it over the line once and we haven't yet. So for these players, I think it's really important for us. And we didn't see that under Poch because Poch was anti-League Cup and FA Cup, and I respected his goals, but at the same time, I think Conti is no, going to... I didn't. Well, I've never been those. <laughs> I was going to say, when you were there, I, that was my best day of my life. So there's... Yeah, I, I think it's important, but it, it, it's all kind of about the draw, and there has been years where... And that's what these cups are about. Like, sometimes, first draw, you get Marine, which is, to this day, the farthest gap between uh, places in like an English FA Cup game ever yeah but this is the League Cup Marine aren't in that this is only teams that are in the league oh no no and I know but I'm saying like sometimes you get that draw even though that was FA Cup sometimes you get a draw like that or sometimes it's first game in the League Cup and you get Man City like so there are there have been years in the League Cup where we've actually had a really friendly draw and we didn't play our first Premier League team until like the last four we're in the semifinals and then there was the year in 2018 where we drew Watford and had to play him at Milton Keynes because it was supposed to be our home game. And then we had to play West Ham. And then we had to play Arsenal away. And then we had to play Chelsea away. Like So there are years that happen like that. And then there are years where you just get that friendly draw. And as long as you just take the competition seriously, I think we have the squad this year where it's not going to be like us throwing out Scrubs. a couple of guys. Yeah, a couple of guys from the U21s that maybe weren't ready or maybe the moment's too big for us. It might be us being like, okay, so Lucas Mora starts today. So, yeah, this is a guy that has a hat-trick away at Ajax in a Champions League semifinal. If we trust him to go get us a win in a League Cup game, he's more than up for it. So we have such squad depth now, which I think is such an advantage for us. If we just get a couple of lucky breaks and we can maybe stay away from playing City or Liverpool in the first few rounds until we... Because, we're again, eventually eventually we're going to have to play these guys. But if we can just kind of get our way down there, like... And With a couple of lucky happen. draws, it's like, yeah. I, th- I think it could happen. My dream uh, League Cup would be avoiding Arsenal until the final and playing Arsenal and beating them in the final. That, that would be a dream come true. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd fly back for that on a heartbeat. But there's so many things that go into consideration. You know, the, the, the number of times we've been close to playing Arsenal in the final but never have... But we're due, and uh, that's what I'd, I'd love if that was the situation. Well, you, you had mentioned that the 08, the final was, you were at that one. Yeah. I was at the 5-1, so I was at the semifinal first leg. So, yeah. like, that was, like, playing Arsenal in that, like, competition was, like, that, that felt like a final. And, but, yeah, I'm with you. If we could just get our way down there and then see those clowns, like, that would be dynamite. 
yeah, I don't care if we play Arsenal. Um, but all I want is next whatever next round is, third round, I think. Play somebody lower level um, just because you guys said it already. We have the depth to go deep. We have the players. So for me, let's use some of this depth, whether it be Spence, um, you know, Tenganga, Langley, Sar, well, Sar doesn't go on loan, you know, and so forth. Um, we need seasoning, and because realistically speaking, it's very rare that any team goes through a season without injuries. So because of this, we need these players to be prepared and match fit and match ready down the line, any way, shape, or form. So let's bring the, these second uh, stringers in, let them play, let them get some seasoning. They could easily start for us, or a lot of them could easily start for us, but you know, let's get them in um, because you know, depending on how the FA Cup draw is going to happen, we can throw that, them in. Um, if we, for a Champions League draw, say if we get, I don't know, somebody from Belarus or Moldova or whatever, you know, they can play as well. Then we go from there. Well, and really quick, I just want to jump in on a point that you touched on, and this is something that I am very passionate about, is when we do play those, like if we get a very lower, if we get a League 2 side, League 1 side, I want us to play guys that are going to be competing in and playing in the role that they're going to be expected to play in if they get swapped in the first team. So it, the big one on the tip of my tongue is when uh, Poch's last couple months when we played Colchester. We started the most ragtag lineup, and everyone was playing in positions that weren't their own. I think Delhi was up top as like the lead striker. Like, it, it made no sense, and none of those players got proper experience out of that. So we were asking guys, it's, so you could just look at it on paper and say, well, we got him a game under his belt. But it's like a game that he'll never play again because he wasn't supposed to play that position. That's not where Tanganga was supposed to play. Like Tanganga was like an attacking winger. Like it, it made no sense. So I love the fact that we have a deep enough squad that I think we will if we play a team from a lower league side that we actually can rotate. We'll actually slot guys in that are like a Spence. But Spence won't be asked to go play on the left wing because that makes more sense. He'll go play on the right. Like, do what we ask. Like, we'll give guys opportunities in the roles that we're going to expect them at least one day to be in in the first team. Well, we could name a team right now that is not the starting eleven that is just fabulous. I mean, we've got Fowler, Longley. You take out uh, Dyer. You put in Davinson. You put Doherty on the on the right. Middle, you've got Skip and Basuma who aren't playing. Up front, you've got Lucas Mora uh, uh, and uh, Richarlson. I mean, that's a fabulous team. You've got, yeah. <laughs> you got Forrester, who's a seasoned veteran as well. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's the advantage of having an experienced goalkeeper there. Well, I, there's going to be lots more to be said about this. And, and once we know who we're drawn against, we'll – We'll talk about this again going forward, but I also want to talk about the Champions League draw, which is happening this Thursday. Um, so right now we are in pot two, um, so we we could draw. We're going to draw one uh, pot one team, which is uh, Real Madrid, uh, Frankfurt, Man City, uh, AC Milan, Bayern Munich. We, we can't draw City. PSG. Oh, we can't draw a city. You're yeah, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, PSG, Porto, 
Or Ajax, so probably we want Porto there. Or Ajax, maybe. I was going to say, I want Ajax. Yeah. I want to see Bergwijn yeah. versus Mora. Well, but, anybody we get from pot one is going to be a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. absolute. That's what yeah. it's there for. We're, we're in pot two. So that with us, it's Liverpool, Chelsea, Barcelona, Juventus, uh, Atletico, Sevilla, and RB Leipzig. Um, pot three will be a team that will draw one of... Um, and that will be uh, Dortmund, uh, Salzburg, uh, Shakhtar, Do- Shakhtar uh, Inter, Napoli, uh, Sporting, um, Bayern, Leverku- Leverkusen, uh, Marseille. Um, so probably in there. Uh, there we probably could uh, h- handle a lot of the teams that are in there, but maybe we want to avoid the Germans, I would think. Well, what would be interesting is if we draw Napoli and Dembele plays. He might yeah. be cooked, or he, well, is he yeah. might be in agreement, though. Loan. I believe he's eligible oh. to play for Napoli. Well, oh, uh, on loan, even? State um, my heart yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. you put that oh, into your gosh. loan agreement, but I don't know about international I, play. I thought I read that he International is usually, but, I mean, this is, I'll, I'll do a little bit of a history lesson for everybody. Um, back when Monaco made the Champions League final, back in 03, they had on loan Fernando Morientes from Real Madrid, and he fucking burned them in the semifinal. So I don't, I'm thinking Paracci and Levy, they were probably smart enough to do it. We'll see, I guess. Well, it, uh, and put, so for pot, pot, four. pot four, we have uh, Club Brews already in Celtic already uh, settled. Um, it looks like it's going to be Benfica, who's up to over Dynamo Kiev. Oh, Christ. Um, it looks like uh, it could be either Maccabee or uh, Haifa, Tel Aviv, um, Jerusalem, Haifa, Maccabi Haifa. Yes, we beat them seven two in, in the Europa Cup. Then it'd be Yiddos against Yiddos. Sverna, Zvedda, Victoria Pilsen, Karabag again. Those are the some of the options. They were they could be in there. And then we have uh, Zagreb again. Uh, Dinamo. Yeah, Dinamo, Zagreb, yeah. Uh, Rangers or. Uh, Sounds like too many teams. I mean, Rangers. I, wait a minute. No, Rangers are playing. These are the second league has, the these second are potentials. league hasn't been decided yet. Yeah, they thought they were resolved this week. Yeah, Celtics no. already decided that pop, they're pop that four has to be four resolved this week. Yes. Because okay. all the. Uh, Russia automatically disqualified themselves. Yes. Oh, we'll so not, we'll not get too far into that. Yeah, Rangers are in, yeah. Real quick, and and I think we can just probably stop listing. Like, we know who they're all there, but the one thing that bothers me is that, like, I think in pot one you get an automatic bid if you won the Champions League last year. Fair if you're Real Madrid, but you also get a pot one spot if you won Europa. Yeah, I was so surprised. So imagine if Rangers had won Europa last year. Rangers would be pot one, and we'd be pot two. I would. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would have been destroyed v- anyways. But I would have a game. very big problem with that. But when it comes down to who do you want to draw? A lot of times, like, especially our own fans, like, what we want is, like, what's going to be the best trip? What's going to be the best story? What could have the potential to be the best game? Like, we want to go to Bayern. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I don't, though. Like, past that. We've been to Bayern. We've got smacked. Like, I'm okay not going to Bayern. For me, though, anyone you play from pot one is going to be a stud. That's going to be a team that you want to avoid. But they're going to be a team of the highest quality that you can hope maybe get a couple points from maybe get a point away maybe get steal three like we did at Wembley against Madrid like took three there so but to me the big spots are the pots from three and four like that's where you don't want to get the stacked because you could end up in the stacked group whoever you're going to get from pot one is going to be a really dynamite team 
Whoever you're going to get from pots three and four, though, that determines whether or not you can kind of skate your way through to the knockout stage or you're going to be in for a battle. And that was like the year that we actually went to the Champions League final. We had Barcelona and then our team from pot four. Like PSV was our team from pot three. And we were like, wow, okay, like they're pretty good. And then the team from pot four was Inter Milan. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> like, this is the group of death. And it was. So what we were able to do that year is even that much more impressive. But yeah, it's the three and four pots are where you look to say, hopefully we can get one of these teams that's a beater that we can easily get our way past. And, 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 these are, and this is something else that like other teams in this competition don't have to worry about, but English teams do, is that we play in the best league in the world. So Bayern Munich can say, hey, you know what? We have a really big game against Man City in the Champions League this weekend on Wednesday. And then we have some team that you can't even pronounce that no one's ever heard of on Saturday. Well, we have that. We, we, we could say, oh, well, we have Madrid on Wednesday. But then we got to play like Burnley away or something as of last year or like even Bournemouth away. Like there's a team. There's no team that doesn't want to beat Tottenham in this league. And there's no team that can't beat you in this league. So we don't get the luxury of kind of mailing it in on the days before or after your Champions League game. We have to play... Hypothetically, if we did Fulham, Madrid, Brentford, those are three teams like that, like Brentford and Fulham would kill to beat us. And then you have Madrid sandwiched in between. So we have, as an English team, we have much harder of a task than everyone else. So we just hope that three and four pots, we get somebody that is. And we're going to have United right after our first Champions yeah, League. Yeah, there match. you go. Exactly. Um, Something Madrid let's won't Let's let Sam take it. Yeah, so I've kind of looked at like all three all three of the pots who our potential opponents could be drawn from. When I look at pot one, there are really only, if I take a long look at it, there's only two teams in there that I do not want to face just based on their recent history in the tournament and their experience and the fact that they've been there, they, they know how to win it. It's Real Madrid and Bayern Munich. Granted, you know, those teams, the way it's set up, depending on how far we progress, they are inevitable somewhere down the line. But the rest of the teams I look at in that pot, um, I think we take at least, we can take at least three out of six, maybe four out of six against them. Even Paris Saint-Germain, as talented as they are, I, I was. I think that would have been a shoe, and if Pochettino was still manager, but oh, that's a whole other story. Yeah, but um, they watched them in the Champions League last year. It's like, you know, they got comfy against Real Madrid, but it's just like they go to the Bernabeu, and it's just like... Yeah, Benzema fucking destroyed Benzema, him. yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, mate. But on the other hand, it's a tough league. We're going to have to play these teams anyway, one way or another. It's not going to be easy. We shouldn't be looking at who we want to avoid. If we're going to get them, we're going to get them. Looking for away day fun, I would love Benfica to be in the We'd have in to the play match. against Vertonghen, yeah? I went to Benfica in the Europa Cup when they played Spurs. Lisbon is a fabulous town. Oh, that's really nice, too. Airline fares from Chicago to Lisbon are dirt cheap. It's dirt cheap in Portugal. That would be a fantastic place to go and have some fun. 
I have to jump in there, John, on you. And it's only because I'm going to be in Portugal in October. I already have my tickets, and I'm hoping that I, we I draw a Portuguese we draw a Portuguese team and just happen to be playing the away fixture there while I'm there because we are having a match. That, well, I'm in Portugal. Yeah, I went when I went. I looked at where the away fans were. And I didn't want to be there, so I signed up as a Benfica (laughs) member, and I got fabulous seats. And I'm wearing the flag, the the uh, um, scarf that has Benfica on one side and Spurs on the other. Oh God! And I got into my seat wearing the Benfica one. As soon as I sat down, I switched it to the Spurs one. And there were at least half a dozen other Spurs fans in the. We were in the best seats in the house. And I love the stadium. The people are friendly. Uh, the way they get that eagle out at the beginning of the game, it flies around the stadium. It's scary oh, as shit. Sick. But it's uh, it's a great day out. And uh, I, I would just hope we get Benfica because it'd be fun. Yeah, no, I would I would love that because I could make that game if it was uh, during the, during my trip. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, though. Vertonghen still plays for Benfica, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I could stomach watching us try and attack Oh, what's bigger? Oh, it's, it it's is tough. what what's it bigger, is. What's bigger, the player? <laughs> but what is bigger, the player or the team? Yeah, I, mean, but, I remember oh, that. The team, but I'm like, I, I mean, my sources well, tell me that Vertonghen's looking to come back to the Premier League, so <laughs> we may not have to worry about. Hey, that. We don't. We might not have to have Sanchez for much longer. We could have Jan slot back in. <laughs> what I was just going to quickly say, though, is, yeah, I, I think like John had the best point. Is you're going to play every one of these teams eventually, but you just hope that you get some of the like you don't catch teams when they're at their hottest and I think Antonio said it best where it's if you can't win the game don't lose and that's like Conti himself has said that and I think that's massive when you come to competitions like the Champions League where it's look we might not be able to go to Madrid and win away last time and Sam you said that's the team you don't want to play well last time we were in their group we won the group and we didn't even play an N17. We played at Wembley. So it's – if when we went there, we drew. When they came here, we smacked them 3-1. Ne- so it's – if you can't win it, just get the point. That is so big in these group stages of these types of competitions. So And we've got a team that will compete this year. Absolutely. So I, I'm excited regardless of who we draw. I, I don't care about the first pot because, again, who are you going to – like? What they're going to be great. But pots three and four, give me someone and we'll smack them. Tommy, bring it home. Yeah, so here's my two cents. I don't know what Conte's goal is, but I'm like the first goal or my idea with the Champions League is one step at a time. Let's get the easy stuff. So, like, you know, I mean, Eintracht Frankfurt is no slouch, but them, Porto, Ajax is probably the easier one, so let's get them. And then probably three and four, it's it's a bit of crapshoot, but I'm like, let's get a favorable draw, hopefully, and then let's progress. You know, if for so like the fans that want those great trips to Madrid or Barcelona, Munich, etc. Porto. Oh yeah, Porto. Like we can deal with that in the knockout round if we progress. So be it. Um, and my only thing is, I've kind of become or kind of become accustomed to hate Barcelona. Actually, they're in our pot, so that's beside the point. But um, the only one that I want to face is Inter because I fucking hate Inter. I hope we play them and we destroy them and we crush their spirit. But that's the only thing. Uh, but other than that, let's get an easy. <laughs> Glad you thought about this objectively. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> but but yeah, 
Let's get the easy draw. Let's knock this out. Um, let's get some seasoning in, because like for argument's sake, and hopefully get a favorable draw in terms of how the games are situated as well. Because say the last two games, like oh, we can coast by with some uh, players or some substitution type players. Let them get the seasoning in, because after the World Cup, it's gonna be a lot harder regard any way you slice it. Well, and if we're on the topic of good away trips, why not hope for either Celtic or Rangers? Oh, Celtic's been my biggest. I hope we go play them. That would be fantastic. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, for any... Forster starts. For any Spurs fan who's able to get in a seat in the away section at that match, that's one for our team that's not a heavy travel requirement. Fantastic. Two, um, for in, for any... Spurs fan that's able to get that away ticket, that's going to be a hell of an experience for them. Yeah, and um, I, my sister who lives in Scotland, United is now flying direct to uh, Chicago, Edinburgh. Oh, and so uh, if they're doing that, that would be yeah. easy trip, easy peasy. Um, just the hanging around the Scots is a bit scary. One, you can't understand a word they're saying, and two, they seem to think that anything you say means that they want to fight you. Apart from that, we can get, you know, get through them. <laughs> oh, we went up and watched, I went up and watched uh, with a bunch of my cousins, Irish again, not Scottish, so yes, we did need like a translator, but we went and watched uh, Brentford away for the away day, or the home game last year. We watched that in December with like the Glasgow Spurs guys, and they were class. But this would be great, even though it was a friendly, if we could draw Celtic, we would have then gotten to beat Rangers and Celtic in a six-month period, which would just be fantastic. So, Well, either way, it seems like I need to have a conversation with my wife fairly shortly. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, look, your travel plans, you guys are going to have a very interesting couple of months. And also, but, you're, you're retired, John. Live it up a little bit. But anyway, we have to move this along because we do have to preview this game. I'm going to do this really fast because we're – we're already going long on this half, but it was a fun conversation, so I'm glad we did it. But this weekend, uh, this uh, Sunday, we take on uh, Nottingham Forest away. Um, this is 10.30 here in Chicago, so a bit later of a game. They're in 10th place. Uh, they have one win, one draw, one loss. Um, they uh, did have to play in the League Cup midweek, so that is the one thing to think about. I'm not going to go into our previous competitions against them because we've um, – Obviously, haven't played them in a while. Well, but I want to mention 1991. I think that'd be okay. Yeah. Well, I'd be okay um, with you mentioning that one. We have, a, we have a question. But we do have a question that goes to this one, and I was going to have Tommy queue uh, yes. up the question uh, from Shubes. All right. Hey, Shubes. Hopefully, you're doing well. Saw you were at the Wolves game on Saturday, so hopefully, you had some fun. Um, John, this is more for you. If that is English John, can he and Rick share their memories of Chloe's forest? Cloth. Cloth's forest. Cloughy. Cloughy's. Cloughy's forest. Yeah, whatever. Well, Cloughy was one of a kind. He was charismatic. He went on TV. He'd speak his mind. He didn't care what he said. He didn't care what he did. His success with Nottingham Forest was enormous. I, I think the story that I remember most about Cluffy that made it, that makes sense to everything is when he took over at Leeds before he went to Forest. He took over from Don Reavy, who was a very good manager at the time and was uh, took the England job. So Cluffy got him, 
and all the players said that they were used to Don Revy day before the game everybody would get a file on who they were playing against it would show their weaknesses their strengths what they did what they didn't do what we should be looking at and whatever so and these files were evidently quite extensive on the opponent on the opponent team well the first game that Cluffy sat down at he got in the dressing room and everybody says where's the files he's like what are you talking about he said we always get files he said oh fuck that he said just go out and play them beat them and that was that summed Cluffy up and, and he only he lasted like 30 days there well he did but he then he went on to success at, yeah, uh, at, at Nottingham Forest but he's a character of the game he, he was one of those guys that you kind of hated and you loved at the same time uh, his teams at Nottingham Forest were just spectacular and they played free-flowing football and it was just lovely and uh, you know then he'd get on TV and call the Polish goalkeeper a clown when he had kept uh, a clean sheet against England and but he was always involved in controversy but uh, he was one of the great characters of the game and Shubes thanks for the question I do remember one season when Tottenham and I think this has got to be early 70s, late 60s, when Spurs had a mediocre season and they lost one game at home, and that was to Nottingham Forest. And they won one game away, and that was to Nottingham Forest. So we got some history with them back in the good old days, but it was, uh, no, Cluffy was one of a, one of a kind. Well, in, in the... In the Damn United is a great read if you ever have the opportunity, if you want to hear more about him. I, I love the, the stories of the shit that he pulled when he was with them for just that short period of time. And, and, and for him to go on and have great success after that is really uh, poetic justice. Uh, Lucas? Uh, well, I mean, so this is something I was saying last year when we had, like, for example, in the Premier League last year, we had the opportunity to send Leeds, Everton, or Burnley. One of those three teams was going down. And I was praying to God it would not be Burnley. Even though Burnley's annoying to play, I'm like, yeah, we can usually do them at home, and we usually get a result away, despite the weather and it being like a Tuesday night. But uh, I always said, I'm like, you, you, what, what I don't want is more teams coming back up that are old first division regulars. Because they come up with a vengeance and they come up with the pride of this was somewhere we used to be, this is somewhere we belong. And you know who they don't take their like aggression out at? United, Liverpool, Arsenal. Teams that they had no business beating back then. But they remember Spurs as a team that like, well, we were used to we could compete against them back then. So they come up and it's so going to Forest, I'm like, this is a team that's gonna be jonesed up. This crowd's gonna be ready to rock against us lucky for us we have the best away support in probably europe so we'll be up for it too and i think we'll win but it's like man this is gonna be a battle i would just have so rather this had been like huddersfield or someone that we could or swansea someone we could have a good old kick around against and win by three but i'm like this is gonna be a battle and they and did spend some money this yeah, year they, they, they absolutely did like they're 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 really trying and to stay if, up if i will say like they played against west ham and beat them 1-0, got smacked, but somehow won that game. So I'm like, Team this Henderson. is a team that's organized and they're ready to defend and they're... I'm like, so we have a, we're in for a battle. Yeah, I kind of... 
building off that, you know, it's going to be a battle. Like, we, um, we're going to go into that stadium. It's 30,000-plus strong. Um, they're going to probably sell every seat that they can sell, and they're going to be up for it. Um, they made some great moves in the summer summertime, you know, signing experienced Premier League players. I, I honestly think the Jesse Lingard move was fantastic for them. Getting Dean Henderson was great. But the way we approach this game is we've got – we can't really fart around and wait to score. We've got to get at them early and often. So just to suck that energy out of the crowd to the point where, okay, well, maybe we're just having a great day out. Well, to me, the one good thing about this is that we can bring back a chant from the 70s that we haven't sung in so long, which is, we ate Nottingham Forest, we ate Liverpool too, we ate Manchester United, but Tottenham, we love you. Now, we haven't been able to sing that in years, so we're <laughs> going to be able to sing that. This is the season we can sing that. Tommy, uh, you wanted to jump in there. <laughs> yeah, for this uh, Andy Reid, Michael Dawson derby, so to speak. Yeah, Sam hit the nail on the head. Um, I think, I mean, I... I made lofty prediction with Dean Henderson, but I'm like, he's been doing really well thus far. I'm not saying he's like, I think, you know, like Sam said, we got to hit him hard. We got to hit him fast and re- real early on. Get him a barb. Got to, sh- we got to rattle his cage, so to speak. Um, but I, I like, but here's the thing. Like I've been, fo- I was following Nottingham Forest last season a little bit in the championship. Um, just, because you know Michael Dawson he used to play there, and I'm like, yeah, let's let's see how he does well. But so I forget who the I think it was Chris Hutton at the time. He was manager, and then he got fired. The new manager, like everybody, just rallied around him. They were like lower mid table, like hovering around the relegation zone, and they just rallied around him, bought in everything, hauled ass, moved their way up the table. I think what they got to six, went ran the table in the playoffs, got promoted. So. There is a lot of uh, team unity, let's just say. So hopefully we can break their spirit with that. And um, just because, I mean, they, how you guys said, there's been a lot of turnover with a lot of players being purchased. So hopefully because this is the fourth match of the season, kind of rattle them a little bit and then take advantage. Well, I'm going to ask you, to, Tommy, to give me your prediction and tell me uh, who you think is going to play. Uh, like also, for like, my score. Yeah, give me your Ooh. scores. Like, and, and, and clue me into like what you think the lineup might be with your prediction. Oh, cripes. Okay, so I'll say three 0 and then I will say Kane, Richarlison, the front three, Richarlison, and then Dayon. So you think Rick? Richarlison will start. I don't know if I think, but I definitely want him to start. Like I said, for reasons previously. Like I said, nothing against Sun. But um, other than that, I mean, but here's the thing with promoted clubs. They don't know any better, and especially Nottingham Forest. They haven't been in the Premier League for 20-plus years. So the fans are ready to go. Players, like, they don't – What do you mean What do you mean they don't know any better, though? About what? As in, like, they haven't experienced – like, a lot of them, they're still turn or left over from the championship. So, like, a lot of them haven't really played in the Premier League. So Well, yeah, but the players they brought in – yeah, but the players they brought in. I, I wasn't questioning you. I literally just wanted you to elaborate. That's all. Yes, I but I wasn't. I wasn't doubting what you but were saying. But there's, it's a cultural thing in, within the club. 
it's still very new, fresh to them. Like a lot of their players haven't been, they weren't even born the last time they were in the Premier League. So I'm so because of that like they don't like I said they don't probably don't know any better. So they're going to do everything they can. They're not going to be cautious. They're just going to do whatever they can to score goals and win the game. In my opinion, of course. So I'm hoping we do come out with a more experienced squad, like with Perisic coming in. Um, I said before with Hoiberg, I I want Basuma to eventually start. I think this would be a good game regardless. Um, Richarlison, I said already. Uh, Royale, I think he's been fine. Um, I don't know about, oh, uh, you know, Sanchez, Dyer, Davis, um, and probably Ben, I mean, is... Uh, what's his name? Oliver Skip. Is he ready to go? No. Okay, so it's probably going to... So hopefully Bencore and then uh, Basuma and then front three already set. So, you know, okay, we'll uh, see how that goes. John, predictions and, and who, well, who that, do you think might be in this squad? Uh, I think, you know, Conte doesn't do a lot of big changes. What I would expect is if Romero comes back, which... We're getting differing uh, reports on that. If Romero comes back, I can see him starting Basuma instead of Bentacor. If he does not, I think Bentacor will start. I don't think he will drop Sun. I really do not think he will drop Sun. I think he will stay with that. Do you think Hoiberg I think starts regardless? I, say again? Do you think Hoiberg starts regardless then? Oh, yes. Okay. Hobbio will be there. Um, as far as the result is concerned, this is going to... This is the best match that... Nottingham Forest have had in 20, 30 years with playing Tottenham up there they're going to be up for it the fans are going to be up for it that ground is pretty tight they're right on top of you I think we're we're going to have a difficult time I think we're going to win um, whether Romero or uh, Sanchez is in the defence I think we're going to keep a clean sheet but I'm going to say 2-0 uh, Kane and Ongo. Okay, uh, Lucas. Own goal is one of my favorite scorers. We've used him a lot lately. Um, no, I'll say I actually agree with Tommy in a lot of points, and you as well, John, because I think their fans are going to be so up for this. But what Tommy said is their players not used to being in the Premier League. Playing in the Premier League against like how they played against Everton and Newcastle and West Ham, they were really, really solid. So this is one where I actually think we'll see Son play. And I think there could be a quick sub at halftime, but I, I think Conti already has his plan of how we're going to rotate. And it could be Sun takes the day off on Wednesday as a start. And we see Richarlison on Wednesday, and that's his big start because he loves the game against West Ham. But something that if you're most of these players, as good as they are, what they haven't seen is the most prolific duo in the history of the Premier League, which is Kane and Sun. So you could be as jacked up as you want for this game, but what Kane and Son can do beats City, beats Liverpool, beats Madrid, beats anyone. It's what they can do is so special. So I think Tommy's 100% right when he said, like, they're just not going to be ready for it. I think they're not going to be ready for those two specifically. And I think Kane and Son are going to have an absolute show. And I think... Again, once we get up on a team, especially a brand new welcome to the Premier League side, it's it, it can kick off real quick if we get up early. So I'm going to say 4-1, and I say Kane scores a brace, Sun scores, and then Lucas Moore just does like a tap-in at the end just for fun. And that is an interesting question. Like, uh, 
But how do you tell your new guys that are coming from the championship? Yeah. Well, like, you did great last year, but now here's Kane and Son, yeah. <laughs> someone that someone that Pep. And, well, but, yeah, but Pep and how Klopp many, haven't figured this guy out. Yeah, but how many of the out? players from the championship are going to be playing on Sunday? I mean, I, I don't, it's maybe two. But even if they're new ones, it's like if, if they've been in the Premier League, that's even better because they haven't figured it out. But it's also <laughs> no a cohesion one. factor, too. Like, you can line up a dream team all you want, but I'm like, what happens if it's the most gelled squad that's top tier? If Kane and Son are on their game it's that that's all i'm bringing up and i'm hoping that we go with that and i'm hoping we trust son for one more game and again i brought up the point earlier that rotation does not mean you're benched or like it's a demotion it's like we're gonna need to rotate we're playing three teams that really want to beat us in eight days so yeah we'll go over charleston can go out and play west ham but i, I think kane gets a brace Sonny gets one and hand the other one to lucas moore just for fun sam yeah, well, kind of going back on, like, the squad that they had promoted from the championship, let, let us just remember that one of their most influential players from that run that they had last year is Jed. not with them anymore. Yeah, he's <laughs> he, he joined yep. us. He, he Sure did. And he wasn't even their player at that time. He was owned by Middlesbrough. He was a lone player. And they may be a little bit upset that, you know, they didn't have much influence on whether he could stay or whether, whether he could go. But in the meantime, I do hope and think that we get at them early. I think 3-1. Um, Kane has a brace. Son gets one, gets on the board, and then... You said 3-1. We, we, yeah. Oh, okay, just make sure. Kane okay. brace, Son gets one. Um, I think um, they get one a little bit later in garbage time, a la Leicester last year um, at home. But, um, yeah... I, I think that's the way it's going to go. We're going to have to really get at them early and often, especially you, you take a look. They have Dean Henderson in goal. That's that's a guy that would start at a lot of Premier League clubs. Yeah. Well, I, I think, Lucas, you opened up a really good conversation about um, this is going to show a lot about how Conte is going to rotate once the matches start coming in. Like, is this going to be Son and Kane, or are you going to save Son and Kane for West Ham when um, – when we know that's that that's an important fixture to us, uh, or at least important to them, um, but um, but I think you probably are right. Like Rick Carlson is probably a, a a great fit for that one. So maybe this is a Son and Kane match. Um, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to let Lucas jump in in a second, but I'm going to go with my prediction first, and um, I I'm going to go with Sam on the three one. Um, I'm going to say uh, we get a goal from Kane, we get a goal from Son, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say something wild happens, and, and we actually put Judd Spence on the bench, and he gets a goal against his former club. Oh, that'd be oh, sick. That is, that's a bold prediction. Yeah. But I love that what, prediction. What it's I literally, probably not going to happen, but I would love it to. The last thing I just wanted to jump in and say was I, I think that for Nottingham's sake, it would be really great had we beat Wolves 5-0. But you're now going to look at a Spurs team that's coming off the back of two really poor performances in our eyes. We would all consider those, and I'm sure Conti does as well, and the players do themselves. They've admitted, they're like, these were not, we haven't clicked out of second gear. So you're asking now, like, Nottingham, as excited you are to play this game, you have Conti who can light a fire under these players, and we have not played well. So we are going to be just as jacked up for this game as you are, and I fancy our players over yours. So I think had we 
Had we been riding high off of three back-to-back 5-0 wins, they could catch us. But I'm like, right now, we're coming off the back of a couple of games that we're not exactly proud of, despite having great results. So I I think you're going to see us at some point click into that, like, sixth gear, and they could be the ones that catch it. Okay, final thoughts, Joe. And uh, those American fans amongst us who have not heard about Nottingham, there is no ham in Nottingham. It's Nottingham. So just remember that when you're talking to your friends, Nottingham Forest. But it's no Tottenham ham. Hotspur, right? Imagine how you say Tottenham. Nottingham. Nottingham. Yep. Birmingham. Birmingham is a city in Alabama. Birmingham and is someone that we play every once in a while in like the League Cup. And the word ham comes from the Middle Ages when there was a bend in the river. So that's your uh, in- intelligent oh, comment for the sense. week. So West Ham was by a the, bend uh, in the Thames. Oh, with whatever. the Isle of Dogs. That makes sense now. Yeah. So ham was a word from the Middle Ages for a bend in the river. So come on, you Spurs. Were you there in the Middle Ages? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah, I, w- I was there when King John signed the Magna Carta on the on As the island. As far as you're concerned, you are King John. Yeah, so. and that was years before Tottenham were formed. Yeah, you're King yeah, John yeah. to us. Well, yeah. anyway, I think that is a great place to wrap up the podcast. So thank you so much to Tommy, John, Lucas, and Sam today. Um, and thanks to Tommy for editing and sound tonight. Uh, Sam for social media. Kimberly for the logo. And as always, the Atlantic Barn Grill. Great to be recording here in person. Great conversation here. Um, find us on our multiple sources, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs and our website at fourstarspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.